Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Bringing our message this morning is a guest speaker, Wes Sherry. Wes is a writer, dad, husband, church planner at the Gospel Collective in East McKeesport, director of the Community Collective Community Center in East McKeesport, and mission developer. Wes grew up in Butler, where he attended Community Alliance Church. He and his wife, Sarah, have two kids, Sawyer and Bo. And now our speaker, Wes Sherry. So I had, like I said, I had the honor of representing the Christian Missionary Alliance this morning, uh, primarily the church multiplication part in our district. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but we have districts in the Christian Missionary Alliance, and you guys belong to the Western Pennsylvania District of the CMA. There's about 150 churches, okay? And we want more churches. You know, God's work isn't done in our region, and he's, uh, he's starting uh, some new works. All right, we do have a few slides. Uh, if we can put the first slide up. Okay, so down here in the bottom... Uh, this is Reda Ibrahim. He is actually, uh, he was over in Egypt as a pastor, and he had some visions to come plant an Arabic-speaking church in essentially Pittsburgh. And, you know, after God broke him down a couple times, uh, he decided to come do it. And whenever he was here, he was doing ministry with uh, the refugees and ran into one of our alliance workers. And they're like, hey, why don't you you know, come alongside the Alliance, and we were able to partner with Retta, uh, and his group that was meeting was just meeting uh, as like a prayer meeting, and we were able to come along and give them um, a church that had closed down. They were able to come in, and that is now the Arabic-speaking church. It was the Glenshaw Alliance Church, but um, it's just a cool thing that God is doing there, and it's not really a geographical group that's being reached, but more uh, people from all over Pittsburgh whose first language is Arabic come to his church. Uh, so that's something he's doing. So that's Retta. Uh, every time I show this video, people are like, we have an Arabic-speaking church in Western Pennsylvania. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so next one. Uh, so this is Fellowship 412 in Homestead. This is a branch of ACAC. They uh, planted this campus. And uh, this is Sheldon here on the left. He's wearing an apron. And he's actually uh, approaching mission through business. And he bought a franchise of uh, Hook and Fish, which is a really good fried chicken and fried fish restaurant. Um, they have uh, quite a few locations over Pittsburgh. And it's actually owned by a Muslim family. He's the only person that's ever been able to buy into the franchise. So he's using that as mission in Homestead. And I actually got to go there. And if you have the opportunity, it is excellent. Uh, go to the next one. All right, so this is Dave and Meryl Smock. They actually were not in the video. Uh, they actually started like right after we finished the video. And they are in the Ohio River Valley, and their goal is to plant churches the whole way along the valley, essentially micro churches or house churches that are going to be happening there. Um, yeah, and then one more, I think. Hey, it's us. Uh, so this is one of our first meetings of uh, the Gospel Collective in East McKeesport. Uh, but first, I want to go take a step back. So I'm from Butler, uh, which is similar to Newcastle, um, and that's great because I just love, I do love Newcastle. I was, tell, I was just talking about how I'm going to go get Mary's Restaurant after this. I'm going to have some Arabic tea, 
Uh, I talked to my wife. I'm like, hey, do you want some? Because I might be bringing some home. Uh, it worked out really well. But every time around here, that's where I always go. Uh, so uh, I do love being around the Newcastle area. And, you know, God's doing things out of the cities. You know, he's doing things out of Pitts- like outside of Pittsburgh. You know, what he's doing is a regional thing. Um, about, man, this, I guess it was about two years ago, we were living in Butler, and God called us to start a prayer meeting. And, of course, I ignore God for the first like, few times he tells me, and then I listen. We all know how that goes, probably. Um, because he was calling me to start a prayer meeting in downtown Butler, and I'm like, where? Where do I do this? Like, I just saw all of the things that would stop me from doing it versus what God wanted to do in it. So, eventually, we just decided we're going to get uh, a couple of our closest friends. So, like, uh, my brother-in-law and sister, who are really close with us, and another uh, couple that we had like, grown up with. And we're like, all right, we see what God's doing in the book of Acts. We want to see it now. You know, how do we do that? So we just started to get into a prayer environment where we come and we pray. And we didn't have live worship at our prayer meeting. We used a YouTube playlist. Um, and we used an ad blocker, so it didn't get interrupted every video. And man, God just started doing really amazing things. We just gave ourselves grace to be awkward. Uh, <laughs> you know, like in... You know, we're, like the, the gifts of the Spirit are happening, and more and more people started coming to that prayer environment, and God called me out of that. He's like, all right, you're going to go to East McKeesport now. I'm like, God, you're doing really cool things right here. I want to be a part of this movement of prayer that's happening. Well, what God was doing was actually, he was moving me to East McKeesport and multiplying the prayer movement. And it's actually funny because we didn't even start that, really. We took it from a place called Aliquippa. So God is multiplying prayer movement in our region and putting prayer meetings in different cities. Um, and when we did our first prayer meeting uh, in, in East McKeesport, we were actually remodeling the house. And we'd, I tried to purchase like YouTube Premium so I could like download the playlist and not have ads. It didn't work. So I streamed it tethered to my phone. And let me tell you, whenever you hit like one of those lag moments in a video and you're all singing, those are the things you remember. Uh, and it's good. It's good. We look back on that with joy. We're like, okay, that's so funny. It's a great story. But now when we meet with our, what we call our missional community, which is the initial, uh, you know, our initial, um, man, it's like the initial church movement, what we're doing, uh, the initial church meeting. We have what we call an up and an out rhythm where we meet three times a month. Each week is focused one week on worship and prayer, which is our up rhythm. We do an in rhythm, which is having a meal together and doing something like fun. Uh, then we have an out rhythm, which is we're going out on mission or, you know, praying into our mission in our community. And now we do prayer meetings once a month. And it's so funny because uh, when I left the Butler prayer meeting, my sister's actually, she took it over, which always blew my mind because she's, she'd be mad at me for saying this, but I was like, I always viewed her more as somebody who likes to follow, but God just was like, She's the next one that's going to lead this meeting. And we're like, okay, God, you chose her, and she's doing great. Like, and she's leading a prayer meeting now, and she moved to Shakora. And we have friends in Butler that were originally part of that group that are going to like, probably keep doing that prayer meeting in Butler. So God's just like moving people around. He's multiplying prayer. And what, what happens before revival? Prayer movement happens before revival. So God is doing cool things in western Pennsylvania. You know, he's using us to be a part of this. He's using... Uh, his churches that are established. Um, but man, he's just looking for people to say yes. He is moving, and he's looking for the people who are willing to say yes. And it's not pastors 
You know, pastors say yes, um, but it's the individuals. Like, you know, we are Christ's children together, and he's looking for us to say yes. So that real quick uh, is a brief, I had to, I had to derail myself there because I'm like, God's doing such cool things uh, through prayer movement. And uh, so we are the Gospel Collective in East McKeesport. Uh, we inherited a church building that closed down a few years ago. And the reason that we kept the building as a denomination is because there's a food pantry that serves out of it already, and we didn't want to have to have them find a new home if we sold the building. And then we just kept praying into it, and there's grace there in that community. And what our approach is in doing our uh, church plant there, and I always like to view us, it's easier to view it as mission developers um, because we're, we're, we're planting the gospel, and a church is going to come out of that. Like, that's our goal. Like, whenever you see Sheldon up there with his business, he's using his business to plant the gospel in the community, and the church is coming out of that. So whenever we look at mission development, we are approaching it from a community, a community development side, and we are opening a community center out of our church building that we inherited. Um, and it's great because it's already set up for that. And, man, we have had to jump through some hurdles with our local government uh, because... People were almost upset that we were opening a community center because they thought we were going to bring in delinquent youths into our community. But the reality is, like, that person that made that complaint is just so out of touch with our community. You know, our community is a, a community of 50% rental homes. Uh, we are, um, yeah, it, it used to be an upper middle class, you know, white neighborhood. That is not the way it is anymore. It's in this huge season of transition. And uh, as we look at this as uh, a missional community, as a church plant, we are adopting some values and some principles that are integral to moving the church forward. And this is one that we're, we adopt, and I'm going to, this is going to be the base you guys are going to find out here. So it says, the father has adopted for himself a family made of every ethnic group and language. Our father is not defined by natural bloodline, social class, culture, affinity, or political tribalism. We are a family defined by Jesus. Our love and commitment for one another is forged in the crucible of mission. We are a sent family, one that goes and grows. There is room at this family's table for even more daughters and sons. And we want to welcome to our family even those nobody else wants. And focus on that. There is room at this family's table for even more daughters and sons. And we welcome to our family even those nobody else wants. Um, have, has anybody here ever felt unwanted? <laughs> you know, specifically in the church? I have. You know, uh, in this write-up that you guys saw, it says I'm a writer. And sometimes I chuckle to myself, because in Christian settings, like, if a pastor's a writer, he's writing, like, these self-help books, these Bible studies books, these life-changing, uh, like, devotions. I write fiction, like Lord of the Rings. So I don't really fit into everybody's concept of what a writer looks like as a pastor. And it gets tricky because like, man, like, uh, like one of the things that I have, I feel like I always have a new hobby. And my, my brother-in-law, like who I mentioned earlier, is one of my best friends. He, he tells people I'm a serial hobbyist. He says Wes's favorite hobby is his next one. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so I am that social chameleon that in every situation I feel like I can like, you know, just show, like, part of myself, or, you know, like, if I'm with pastors, I can talk theology. Uh, if I'm with writers, I can talk, like, character arcs and all that stuff. If I'm with uh, fishermen, I love talking fishing. Um, 
Speaking of which, my son just caught a muskie out of Lake Arthur a few weeks ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I figure you guys appreciate it. Uh, but what's wrong is like that I feel the need in certain situations to hide parts of who I am. And, and oddly enough, like if I'm a host in an environment and I invite somebody over to my house for dinner, I want them to be just like, this is who I am. And like, I'm so accepting of that. But if I go to somebody else's house for dinner, I'm like, all right, like, let's just keep the conversation going. Let's make sure everybody's happy. And like, it's like this weird thing that I do. But my wife, Sarah, and I, we were over at a dinner. Um, uh, yeah, you guys don't know them, but Connie and Rob Armada, they invited us over for dinner. And they were just like this, like the first people that have hosted a dinner like this, where it's just like we sat down before dinner and they just like talked to us. They find out, oh, you're a writer. Okay, you write fiction. Tell us about that. I'm like, wait, you're Christians who care about that I write fiction? You know, it's almost like I like to talk to my non-Christian friends more about what I write than my Christian friends. Because sometimes I'm like, you guys don't care about this. But it was so uh, amazing that I could talk about writing. And even when we got in the car after, I was like, Sarah, did I talk about writing too much tonight? She's like, no, they wanted to know about you. It's okay. Um, so like I said, I've been in those instances and like I said, I'm sure you, you guys have all just like essentially said, you know, you have had instances where you felt like an outsider. Um, or maybe this is really common in churches where people, you just feel like people are just being nice to you because they have to be. Um, some of you, you know, probably can't remember a time where you weren't involved in church. And some of you remember a time very vividly that, or maybe even recently where you were not involved in church and you're maybe the newer person here. And like I said, other people have grown up in the church. And some of you have felt like you never really fit in. Others feel like, I walk in the doors and I'm loved. Um, but just because uh, you don't have to put a mask on, that doesn't mean that sometimes you don't. Uh, some of us might cringe at this idea, okay? No makeup Sunday. Okay. Or maybe a Sunday when someone asks, like if somebody comes up to you and they ask, how are you doing? You cannot respond with the following. Good. It's all good. Living the dream. Amazing. Great. Or maybe you have to come to Sunday wearing your work clothes from working in the yard. Now, I'm not saying makeup's bad or dressing nice is bad or even small talk is bad. There is an art to it all. You know, makeup and clothing can be an expression of oneself, the extension of who you are, but it's not what makes you up. The problem is when we really start to do those things out of our insecurities, not out of who God made us to be. Uh, so, like, here's an example of uh, when I see this in churches. Okay, so I, had, I was talking to a friend, and he's like, we're experiencing revival in Aliquippa. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, we don't, like, have that in western Pennsylvania. Um, and I was very, I was wrong. But So I go there. I'm like, I'm coming out to see it. Um, and they took me around, and they showed me all these things that are happening, and, like, where God's moving, and they're seeing, like, miracles and healings. And... I realized revival doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. Revival didn't look like perfect people who never break the rules, but a movement of people who just passionately are in love with Jesus. And they're willing to take risks based on that relationship they have with him. So that all being said, like maybe, like I said, I don't know Washington Union Alliance Church too much, but even if this church is perfect, as we go on a journey in our faith and with Christ, there's always more grace to lean into. There's deeper humility to reach. And even the act of trust where we take off our mask, we can show everybody uh, who we are. When it comes to the church and culture, we should ask ourselves, what does Jesus say about it? How is he calling me into this mission? 
And maybe, maybe this sticks out to you. Maybe you've been on the sidelines. Maybe you're like, I did that when I was younger. Uh, and maybe you have been in the thick of it or are even in the middle of doing ministry. And I hope the teaching today of Jesus is really fresh to you today. So let's look what he has to say. Luke 14, 12 through 14. You can go on ahead and put it up on the screen. I'm going to read from the ESV, I think. Uh, there's so many translations now. So Luke 12 through 14, I'll read it to you guys. You guys can follow along on your phones if you want. It says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Does anybody ever think the Bible's confusing? Sometimes. We can all admit that sometimes the Bible's confusing. Because a lot of times they're talking about things where like, wait, we just pulled that verse out. What does that mean? And this is a cool passage because it gives context if you just read the chapter as a whole. You know, sometimes we like to really dive into like just a specific verse. Um, but there's also a blessing when we read it as a whole. So we're going to actually read all 14, or 14 up through verse 14. Uh, so it says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If, you, yeah, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. Sometimes I feel like it's not good to be asked questions by Jesus. Uh, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited you, uh, both of you, will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when you are so so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said this to the host When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although you, they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Man, so whenever I look at these passages of Scripture, sometimes I like to think of the who, what, when, where, why questions. And the who, obviously, is Jesus is talking. He's you know, being recorded here. He's at the house of a prominent Pharisee. Uh, you know, there's other Pharisees and teachers and guests. Um, and then we're going to get in here to the what. So, Jesus is essentially saying family on mission is family uh, that is more than people who are just like you. So in this passage, we see that there's a Pharisee who's hosting a party, okay? And this isn't just a dinner with family, but it is an event to, you know, to see and to be seen at. Um, it'd be like if we had a non-controversial person. Uh, no, I'm just, uh, yeah. Um, those are just hard to come by. So we'll go with the guy who invented the Permani sandwich. Because he, lives, he was born close to my house now. Um, so Joe Permani is his name. Um, you get invited to a, a, a party that's being hosted by Joe Permanti, okay? And you're going because, like, hey, like, 
people who aren't from Pittsburgh know what a permanent sandwich is. And they have their opinions, and that's okay. Okay, so you're at this party. So next, if we, we're going to jump back and forth here. So next, the people at this feast come in and start to lay down. That's how they ate back then. They laid down when they ate. And where they laid down or sat was determined, you know, by your status. It does remind me of like high school lunch. But you probably had a, yeah, you had that spot, you know. Now this could be tricky because if you sat somewhere out of your station, you would be asked to move and it would be humiliating. Um, if we continue with our Permanis example, it would be like the, the people who sat with uh, Joe Permani got like the super special Permani sandwich with triple meat. Those are the people on his left and right. Those on the couch a little further down get the regular sandwiches, and those on the ends get like McDonald's. And like it's, McDonald's is fine. McDonald's is good, but it's not a Permani sandwich. Uh, so it's good, but distinction. So as people sit down, Jesus starts to talk about who should be invited to these special places. Um, I love this because, like, just imagine you're, like, all psyched. I got invited to this party. And, like, you know, all these, like, Pharisees are there. This rabbi who's doing all these miracles is going to be there. And you're sitting down. You're feeling really good about yourself. And Jesus looks around and says, you shouldn't invite these people. You know who you should invite? You should invite not your friends or your brothers or your sisters or the rich people, for they can't pay back. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. You will be blessed. I mean, Jesus had a way with words, and I love it. Uh, Jesus redraws the boundary line of social norms. You know, he says, essentially, like, don't just do good things to people who can pay you back. Do the good things to people who can't pay you back. Um, yeah, so, so those who we are to eat with and to be around and to do life with are not just those who are able to give back to us. It's also those who we get nothing from. But we can ask that question again. Why? We are blessed for inviting those who can't pay us back. Okay, this might sound a little odd for some of us. Uh, to others, this might sound normal. I don't know. But as we hear this, isn't it just something that is so Jesus? But also, isn't it something that's so integral to the gospel? Jesus does this for us in our own relationship with him. He models the humility he's asking for by coming and dying for our people who were the enemies of God. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus, in this, levels the playing field between guest and host. Both positions, host and guest, are one of blessing. You know, They're both blessing each other. And we're also blessed by God for caring for those he loves. You know, Jesus says we are going to be blessed by those who can't give an invitation in return. How? We will be blessed at the resurrection of the righteous, which is an event down the road. If for no other reason, we should do this just because Jesus said it. Um, but in this passage, it's clear that, Jesus, that, that reaching the ostracized of society is something he is deeply passionate and cares about. But there's another way uh, I think people are blessed, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. But in this context, he is using the feast to make his point. He's speaking in a way that this religious leader is going to grasp. Jesus is calling this Pharisee and those with him to start on this journey of humility and love and ministry. Jesus cares deeply for the ostracized, and even if, and even in this, he also cares deeply for the Pharisees, as we both need to bless one another. Now, I use the word ostracized like two times there, and that's a hard word to spell. 
I don't know like if anybody here can just spell that right off the top of their head. I struggled whenever I was uh, writing this, but I was intentional. I kept it because I'm like, we need to remember this word. Jesus loves and cares for the ostracized. He, cl- he cares for those who are excluded. Uh, this is the definition, ostracized, to exclude by general consent from society, friendship, concert, yeah, conversation, and privileges. It's happening. <laughs> you know, we need to care for those people. So maybe you can relate where you feel Jesus calling you on this journey. Maybe you're in your heart, you're already like, oh yeah, I kind of feel that, where one of those things you just said. Others of you may be on this journey and feel like uh, the blessings are already being poured out through acts of serving. Uh, how are you, so my question is then, if both are, both are positions of blessing, how are you the host and how are you the guest? This parable. Give me one second here, I'm going to do a time check. Okay, now there's a clock back there, I'm good. <laughs> Uh, so sometimes we're the host and sometimes we're the guest. So if we're the host in this feast, in this teaching, it's probably the most natural to read it from this perspective because this is the perspective that Jesus is addressing. Um, like I said, at some point we're all the host. Uh, you are called to be in relationship with those who can't give anything back. So here's the host and relationship. Meals are often where relationships get built. When it comes to being in relationship with people that aren't being reached, or entering into those spaces that people don't know Jesus, we have to be intentional, and oftentimes that means embracing the awkward. So, for instance, like um, one of the things like I do in my community is I try and get people's phone numbers so I can text them, invite them to stuff. And let me just tell you, it's not always easy to get a phone number. It has sometimes it gets awkward, and that's okay. That might that also another way it gets awkward is that it might uh, mean not understanding a new context, but being curious in that context. Now, we have a family moving into our community who are from Ecuador, okay? I'm not super familiar with the cultures of Ecuador. But it is on me because they're coming into our community as a relational host to go out and learn about it so we can celebrate. So, for instance, like, I was like, so do you guys celebrate Cinco de Mayo? And they're like, that's Mexico. I'm like, my bad. Uh, We're like, we're August 15th. I'm like, okay. So in my head, I'm like, August 15th, we're throwing a big Ecuadorian party, and we're going to invite everybody um, because there's a bunch of uh, immigrants around us from Ecuador. Uh, so moving into a neighborhood, he said, like I said, he's, he talked to me. He's like, I'm, he was really happy that I was being so welcoming to our community because in all honesty, there's people who are not welcoming, welcoming that uh, people group to our community. Um, sometimes this means um, giving extra grace in our relationships. You know, when me and him talk, like sometimes, like we have... We have a number of friends. We have a group of friends from Ghana. We have a group of friends from Ecuador. Or sorry, families from each of those groups. Uh, but it involves having a lot of grace in those relationships because their culture is not our culture always. It means usually not being on time. Uh, it means embracing communications because you know his first language is not English. Um, but I keep pursuing that relationship. I keep trying because they va- I, they matter. Um, then as hosts, we also provide empowerment for people. Um, so that means not always having the answer when you're the host, but asking a question. So here's a funny one. Um, so I was, uh, we have friends from Ghana, and I, was, I love soccer. So I'm like, hey, like, let's, I was actually, I was canvassing our neighborhood going door to door with a flyer. And I was like, hey, are you guys watching the Africa Cup of Nations? They're like, you know what that is? I'm like, yeah, we'll watch it together. So um, they came over, we watched Ghana. It's a soccer tournament for all of Africa, and Ghana got, like, knocked out in the first round, which I was like, oh, 
like Jesus, if ever you cared about a sporting event, like Donna wins so we can keep having a like, relationship with our neighbors. And she, no. So they're walking up our back alley the one day, and he like hollers to me. I'm like, putting like, something outside. He's like, hey, are we watching the final on Sunday? I was like, we are now. Who are we cheering for? Uh, you know, like empowering him in that where it was just like uh, ways to be humble, but also empowering where it's just like, you know, you know, we cheered for Senegal and Senegal won. So we got that. We didn't invite Reda because he's from Egypt and that's who they were playing. Um, the people coming have something you, you don't. Okay. The people coming to your house have something you don't and you need it. Also, host and food. Have people over for dinners and share who you are. Jesus uh, made you from these for these relationships. And if you are having dinner, you are there for a reason. Okay. You don't have to make it all about you. And it's okay to share as equal. It's fun and it's awkward. Um, Man, so many stories about that. But here's a warning, though. Don't go home and invite people over just because you feel guilty. Okay? Don't do that. People know when you're faking it. If you don't have love for a person, seek it and pray for it. Ask God to move in you because he will. Okay? We can be faithful in that. There's times where I'm like, all right, God, I need some extra love uh, you know, because I'm going to be in a situation that's not comfortable for me. Like, I'm going to be in a situation where I don't have any of the power because I'm in this context. I'm actually going to share it here in just a minute, but um, ask Jesus for love. Ask God to put Jesus' love for any person you were called to reach in you. Because that's the way sometimes Jesus will grow us. That's okay. It's okay. Um, so we're also being called to the feast, Okay. You are invited sometimes. So sometimes you're, not, you're the host, sometimes you're being invited. An invitation means you are wanted. Isn't that great? When you receive an invitation, uh, it's like, um, man, like, first off, like, if you give an invitation to somebody and there's no relationship, why would they ever come? So first off, build relationships with people, invite them. Second, it's like getting a wedding invitation as a friend versus as a relative. Because you know, like, as a, when you go to a wedding, if it's a relative invitation, they were obligated to send it to you. But if you're a friend, you know, like, they want you there. You know you're going to be the last person to get food, but it's going to be worth it because you're hanging out with all your friends. Um, so this is kind of going back to what I said earlier, where we are unique, but that does not mean like Jesus doesn't want you who you are in these situations. So here's, here's an example where we were uh, invited. Our Ecuadorian friends, they had a birthday party for their one son. And they actually had been over at our house. We had, to, we had them over for St. Patrick's Day. And to, to me, I'm like, everybody celebrates St. Patrick's Day. Well... Our immigrant friends did not know what St. Patrick's Day was. And we had these like ridiculous cupcakes. So it's about the cupcakes. So we're like, we'll have the cupcakes again next year. You just keep coming back for St. Patrick's Day. But so we got invited to this birthday party. And I told Sarah, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to be the only person, we're going to be the only people there who speak English as a first language. And sure enough, we get there and I start trying to talk to this guy. So, like, hey, man, I'm Wes. He's like, I don't speak English. I'm like, okay. So, but. That being said, we were able to have like this awesome time. We were able to participate in the culture that they had. Like they have, um, there's like a street in McKeesport that is just like all Ecuador. And it's like, how cool is this that we have an opportunity to be international mi missionaries essentially in our local context? It's like, I get so excited about that stuff. Uh, and that day, like we were blessed by them. Um, so we had a birthday party for my son this past weekend and we started playing some of their games at our birthday parties and then we were hit, they were a hit. Um, so also we're blessed by those who are different because they are different. Okay. That makes sense. I mentioned earlier what we wear when we come to church. Like, let me just tell you this, like the mask sometimes we wear, 
If you are here this morning, you are here because God has something for you to do. And it's not the mask that you sometimes put on so you're accepted. You know, I could preach a whole sermon on that. He has something for you to do, okay? The way he has equipped you, the way he's built you. And that doesn't mean he calls us uh, to die to be exactly the same in every single way. There are things he is calling us all to and to be in conformity, but he's also gifting all of us in different ways. He's giving us different stories, victory over different struggles. Um, like, you know, I like fishing. Fishing is a great way for me to relate to people and build relationships. Hunting's fine. I'm not a big fan of hunting. I mean, I, I hunt, but it's, I do it to be around people, uh, which you guys are like, that's probably why you don't shoot anything less. Granted. Um, you know, I write fiction. You know, that is something where God has put it into me, and I don't always know how God's going to use it for his mission, but he has never, uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but it's something like, for me, it's a healthy thing that he's given me to do. And I can see ways, and I plan to use it for that missional sense in the future, but it, even that, sometimes just through curiosity, opens doors. Um, and then here's, here's one last point I want to make about this. Um, whenever you're going to a, like, when you are invited to a community or someone's invited to your house, if you are not allowing them to be who they are or you're not being yourself, sometimes you're robbing people of their ability to be for you, Okay. What I mean by that is this. Susu Gonzalez, um, Genesis 2 makes this point. Oh, so the Bible, and Husto used this argument. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It is not good for man to be alone. We are created in a sense for others. We have an internal sense of for otherness. When we choose not to go to the table we are invited to, we actually have the ability to not only deny ourselves for otherness, of the host, but in another sense, we deny them the for otherness that we were created for. We deny them the opportunity to be for us at the same time, reject us being for them. This does not mean that we put ourselves in harm's way, though. But we can ask the question, is God calling me to this invitation? We need to have a sense of where God is leading us. And he will give us that sense. When God calls us, we can take things like fear and replace them with curiosity. All right, we are, we are called to this. You know, we are called to invite people in. We are called at times to go to other places, you know, to go to other tables. So this, so we are called to this, and so is the church. And this is part of being Christians. So let's imagine this. Let's imagine Jesus addresses the church. He says, church, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors if you do, they may invite you back, so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and yeah, and you will be blessed, although they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Church, there is room at this table, at this family's table, for even more daughters and sons, and we welcome to our family even those nobody else wants. What's the, what's the motto here? Come as you are. Sounds familiar. As church planters in East McKeesport, this is something that we want to start with. When we talk to people about what, we will, uh, be, what we're going to be, we let them know that this is something that we will be doing. It's not always easy, but it is who we are as Christians. It's something that we as Christians do. 
And I have, you know, I've shared some story today. Like I said, I, we had we had so many people over St. Patrick's Day to, to our dinner table. We we have people over all the time. Um, and one of the ways we see it, like, trans, uh, going through our community is we have one of our closest friends in our community, which we, who we didn't know before we moved there. His name's Juan. And now he is somebody who is doing ministry through the refugee ministry at ACAC. He has a refugee family that he's going, he's like meeting with, taking the doctor's appointments, taking the grocery store, helping them open bank accounts. And man, like, just by being hospitable, the way that the gospel can move, the way that it's being planted. I mentioned my friends from Ghana. They live like, a, we have like a back alley. They live like in some row houses right over there. Well, guess what? They're all Muslims. You know, Ramadan just happened. I didn't even realize it. I was like, we're just friends, you know? But because of that, I'm able to have conversations with them. And we were, it was actually great. We were, um, man, I was, so I was fasting the other day. And it was also a day that, you know, Ramadan happened last month. Or if you don't know, it happened last month. And one of their friends, his name's Khalifa, he, I can always remember him because of Wiz Khalifa, but so Khalifa was out and I was just like talking to him and we just started talking about fasting together. And I was like, this is really like a cool thing God's doing that even though like we are very different in like our theology and like I would love to see Khalifa come to know Jesus. Um, but like we're having those opportunities because these are our friends. Like Khalifa came over and hung out on our back porch, you know, uh, a, few, a, f- a few weeks ago. And then, like, now when I see him, I can talk to him. Um, our neighbors, so he does actually live in that row house. He's just always over there because it's his best friend. Richard, who lives there, I should probably, I don't know if I should be saying names, but regardless, they're my friends. Um, you know, it's just amazing. Like, they come over and, like, they just hang out with us. It's great. You know, like, we don't have, there's, there's like, no pressure um, to, like, have to give a gospel presentation because if we're friends, and Jesus is who he says he is. I'm sure Jesus is going to start doing things in that person's life. I can point it out and be like, yeah, you think that was Jesus that did that? Like, we're praying that, praying that they have dreams. Like, because that's one of the biggest ways in the Middle East that people come to know Jesus is they have dreams about him. Oh, yeah, that's probably Jesus in your dream. You know, like, that's, that's my dream uh, and, and how I can do witnessing in that regard. But, man. So I guess my question is this. Who are... The low income in your community. Who are the people that no one else wants to reach? Have you ever have you been invited and feel confident enough at the table to start hosting? If so, look for opportunities that are that are ready made. You know, we have a saying where it's go where the grace is. I don't have to force something. Jesus goes before me in ministry. Go where the grace is. Go where he, he's leading you. Um, and then here's the other thing: don't go by yourself. Go with someone. You guys have land in here. You have your elders at the church. Like, if God is calling you to do something, don't go alone. Be empowered and equipped by the church to go. Okay? Um, yeah, so that's kind of my presentation for today. So I gave this, yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll come up for the benediction. All right, Jesus, thanks so much um, for the opportunity to be here today at Washington Union. Um, Lord, we just pray your spirit be moving. Jesus, we pray that you convict our hearts in the areas you want to convict us. God, I, I pray that you just comfort us, that we don't go alone, uh, but you are always with us. And Lord, we thank you for the things that you are starting. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities you pre- present to people so that they can say yes. 
God, I just pray your spirit be in this place and you continue to move and grow and empower and disciple this congregation.